Okay. Uh, today's episode, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, welcome back. Um, new episode of the podcast, starting right now. <laughs> we are here. Yeah, I'm we're Frank. here. I, How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm AJ. I'm in Jersey City. Uh, we are the Long Lost Heroes podcast. You can find us online in many places. Uh, we've been covering the James Bond franchise for a couple of weeks now. Uh, it's been super duper fun, and we are taking a bit of a short detour and uh, going to be t- talking about one of the greatest uh, spoof movies ever, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Um, yeah. Frank, you watched this last week, right? I watched it last week, uh, yeah, maybe like Thursday or Friday, um, but I also rewatched it back in like January so I feel like I kind of get it and also I mean these movies I've seen dozens of times so I do <laughs> know them pretty well did you go and rewatch it yes I did uh and I was watching the commentary just right up until we got started recording Ooh. um yeah uh I like these movies I first saw this movie like back when we were kids I think on VHS someplace mm-hmm. um and, uh, yeah, I, I like this movie. I realize I don't know if I like this movie as much as the first one. Yeah, so, like, when we had our, our, our conversation on the first one, I do remember, like, alluding to the fact that I, my favorite one is this one, The Spy Who Shagged Me, and um, I, I kind of felt like we were on, on opposite ends of the spectrum there. And it, I don't know why. Really, I can't explain, and that maybe as we go through it, I'll kind of be able to pinpoint some of the things. But maybe this one was just like the one I saw the most, or like, I mean, I really love Heather Graham. Like, she's super hot and beautiful in this movie, and I oh, indeed, indeed, indeed. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, I just, I don't know. I think also the addition of Fat Bastard and Mini Me to me, like, just make it feel kind of cohesive. just like the the world was expanded enough not to go off the rails, but like they they took what worked in the first one and just like made it better. That's my thought. Like, what are there certain things that you can think about that like why you don't like this one as much? Um, I just think that it doesn't. Uh, I've I just seen it too many times. Maybe I think I think I've mm. I think I agree with you. I think I've seen this movie maybe you know, more than I've seen the original. Uh, but if you look at the, but I think for me, what I realized, you know, this time is like, if you think about the movies that like go on to become franchises, right? There are some movies that like, they really benefit from the fran- the legacy of the franchise. And there are some movies that really don't benefit from the legacy of a franchise. Think, sure. of, think about like Jurassic Park, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Arguably, the first movie is one of the best and most important movies that have come out in the last 50 years, right? Yes, but, exactly. But could we say that about every single one of the sequels that's come out of that? No, Absolutely not. No. <laughs> so, you know, there's it's very hard, I think, to do comedy sequels. I think that they there's very few that ever really exceed the comedy value of the first movie. Like, specifically, I'm talking about, like, Wayne's World 1, Wayne's World 2, which is mm-hmm. rough on Mike Myers, which – and both movies are very funny, and I do love both movies really on their own because they, they, they are very different, but they 
the, the thing it's very hard to achieve the highs and the articulations of the characters you're trying to express a second time. Right. Because there's also certain things that are like, oh, this is the shtick of this movie, right? These are the kinds of jokes you're going to get, or these are the, I mean, once, especially for like Austin Powers or like where, where they are characters and it's not, not just like a normal guy. It's like the, the, his whole being is a shtick. And so like, once you get past that in the first time, it's like, okay, now you got to have like jokes really. And sometimes they can't support that. Yeah. I, I don't think that the, the problem for me with this movie is not whether it holds up or not. I think that that is like a very different question for a very different time. That's not really what we've been talking about the whole time yeah. on the podcast. Only when it's like egregiously bad, I think, you know, <laughs> but, but like this movie I think is, is still pretty safe. Uh, what, I think what is interesting to me about this movie is just like, I, I don't like the sheen and the, the, you could see the bucks that they're spending on getting the big, uh, songs, you know? So mm. you got the who my generation and, uh, magic carpet ride. And there's a ton of other really great, you know, classic late sixties hits. The music is so good in this movie. It's all, it's awesome, but like to me, it's also like this is the pr comedy product. <laughs> like we are doing everything we can now that we know that this is gonna work, and yeah. you're gonna come and see it. So it has to look and feel on a heightened level that the first movie, in the context of that movie, makes a lot more sense, right? It's this low budget, low yeah. quality movie that is very funny but also plays into what they were doing and spoofing at the time yeah this one does have a bit more it, it, i guess it's like middle of the road because like let me tell you now gold member is just it's too much it feels oh we're gonna produced. we're gonna die like that's like <sighs> and like i'm so nervous about that because you know what is haunting me about that even now before we get into the meat and potatoes over there is the the commercials that they're putting on that have Dr. Evil from Goldmember in the ships where he's like, how about no? I think it's like an AT&T or a direct yeah. TV commercial, whatever it is. Uh, it's, I hate, I, first of all, I, I hate this commercial, but uh, he's in it and I'm just like, oh no, I don't. Why did they do the blue eyes? That was such a weird choice. He had, oh yeah, it was, the, he was, he had eyes that were regular throughout the first regular movies. <laughs> what, what are we, what are we doing, man? Like, and, and I oh. get, I get you want to change it up like that. Like, on like good like I guess that makes sense, but I don't know. I'm there. I'm nervous about we'll, getting yeah. to that. We'll point. get there. That I do remember, like, because I hadn't revisited that one in several years, and when I went back to it earlier this year, I was like, oh my god, this is like I remember it not being good. But so and the thing that's interesting to me, like, I was looking up like the IMDb score, the Rotten Tomatoes, like the second and third movies are actually pretty close in numbers are like right smack in the middle of the road, like 50 something percent, like six point something on uh, IMDb. But like the first movie is more well received, which again kind of surprises me because of my own bias. Um, and I guess like part of it, like for me, like one and two are very much like two sides of the same coin. Like they, I, I, I feel like because I watched those first two probably several times before Goldmember even came out, right? Like we're talking like 1999 from 2002. I probably popped this DVD in like every couple of weeks. <laughs> so like 
I don't know. I, I guess it's just so uh, so ingrained in me that that like this was like the the OG Austin Powers, and then when they did Gold Member, I was like, nah, I don't know, I don't like it. Yeah, um, I, you know, okay, but uh, I think what this movie is kind of um, it's it's trying to do is like it's trying to evolve Austin, and like what is interesting is like we know that like James Bond doesn't evolve. But then immediately after this, James Bond had to evolve. <laughs> no, really, like th- you're right. <laughs> like, like it's like we we've talked about that, and that's like really why we've you know we've covered that section in the Casino Royale discussion and uh, the Daniel Craig Legacy other episodes. You could be checking out if you're following along with the James Bond podcast. But ultimately, like they are trying to evolve Mike Myers ridiculous impersonation of this thing. And I I don't know. I I don't, uh, I don't know. I like seeing everybody again and I'm excited to talk about the jokes that I liked and the parts that I thought were really funny. Um, but no, I think this, I think maybe if Austin Powers international man of history was just a one and done, the legacy of that movie would be like big, the big Lebowski. I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's like, yeah, you can't have this without the original and uh, the original does so many things so well um, that, yeah, if we, if that was the only one we'd had, like maybe you'd be like, yeah, I wish we had another one. But like right now, like not now really, but um Wanting an Austin Powers four is like I want them to return to form and make it good again or something. Not so much like, like I want them to go out on a high note, not the way it kind of fizzled away. But it's not, it's not like that. It, the, the comedy needs to be there. Comedy needs to be good. I mean, I think it would be actually really interesting if they like went and started to skewer like Daniel Craig, and, like make, you know, James Bond is so serious now, and like maybe Austin Powers just like like lost all of his humor. <laughs> like, I don't know. I guess that's basically losing his mojo. No, I, they could totally do that. And I would, t- and I would love to do an episode where it's like, just like, you know, Austin powers speculation of what they could do in Austin powers four. Um, but now we got to talk about, you know, like spoilers and stuff, which is stupid. Cause this movie came out in 1989, which trivia, if you don't know, 1989 was kind of a 1999, 99, not 89, 1989 also, but 1999 too was a huge year for movies. The yeah. matrix fight club, star Wars, the phantom menace episode one, toy story two. There's major movies coming out in 1999. You can look up other ones that are definitely more poignant and cool. Those are the ones that are significant to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, this year, um, they knew that this movie was coming out very close to Star Wars, and in the trailers are. Did you watch these at all? Did I watch the trailers? No. Oh my uh, god, the trailers are like Death Star to wreckage. Oh my god. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, there is a ton of Star Wars jokes in this. Like it's all over the place in the movie itself, so I, I wouldn't. I'm not surprised that the trailers have it too. Yeah, I didn't even get to really see what they said in the in the commentary about the the Death Star stuff because I'm sure that the, they do go more into it. But it's so crazy to me 
that way back in 1999, when people were speculating about what episode one was going to be, they were calling back to a destroyed Death Star, which ultimately we get, you know, another 20 years later. <laughs> like, Ugh. isn't that nuts? That is crazy. That's crazy. Um, all right. So they they marketed this movie, there, and the tagline was like, if there's one movie you see this summer, it's Star Wars. But if you see two movies this summer, <laughs> see Austin <laughs> Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. <laughs> um, so Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, starring Mike Myers and Heather Graham. Uh, Frank. Yeah. Let's do a reversal. Can you summarize this movie's plot in a minute or as few words as possible? Um, okay. So Austin Powers <laughs> wakes up on the on his honeymoon with Vanessa, only to realize that she has been a fembot all along. He's ecstatic to be single and goes off and, and, and tries to get back into his his ways, only to find out that Dr. Evil is still out to kill him and uh, steals his mojo by t- having uh, his mojo stolen from him in, while he was frozen in cryogenic freeze. Therefore, Austin Powers needs to time travel back to 1969 uh, to stop... Uh, uh, Dr. Evil uh, and his evil Death Star plans. Uh, He meets Heather Graham along the way. Uh, They fall in love, even though he doesn't have his mojo. There's some time travel funness, and obviously they save the day for another Austin Powers adventure, and they go back to present day 1999. Well done. I'm not the best at it, but... (laughs) You did good. I think you did great. I think I think people will be thrilled to hear your take on it. I'm sure. Uh, okay, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, but there are some significant uh, additions here that that make this movie kind of stand out, and I think that's Vern Troyer's Mini Me, man. Oh my god. Uh, I right. I love Mini Me, and when you hear. Uh, what uh, Roach and um, Jay Roach and Mike Myers were saying was that they use a lot of two shots. Like they were, it was a beautiful symmetry to have them right next to each other and to mimic him with doing the air quotes and shit that it was just like, it just was so funny Oh my God. that Vern was like really the character they like expanded most with. And like they made him, uh, you know, uh, you know, they gave him more to do with Scott as they saw the more, you know, abilities he had to be funny and, you know, fuck around. And that, that's awesome. And like, you, that is like the, really the standout thing of the whole movie. Yeah. He was such a cultural phenomenon. He was a cultural phenomenon. I mean, if Dr. Evil kind of stole the show in the first movie, like, yeah, you have mini me here stealing the show. And like, I think I love them as a pair. Right. And like the thing that's, that's so great is like, you have um, some of those sight gags of, of just like seeing how how much alike they are. Um, they then they have this like amazing like father son bond rivalry against Scott. Uh, that's so good, and you know the the musical segments. Um, and he gets a really awesome fight scene too with Austin Powers. Which oh is my pretty god, cool. it's awesome! <laughs> uh, yo, he, the I don't know. I like I love him and um I'm sad that you know you know he's he's gone too soon you know ultimately he passed on uh, right. I think a couple yeah. of years ago 
but yeah, man, he's he's so funny in this whole movie. Uh, I love his introduction when he's standing behind the door and they shine the light and you're like, oh my god, who's this clone gonna be? And then yeah. you look down and it's just like this, you know, the the prosthetics that they did on him are like really awesome. Three hours for wow. his Doctor Evil, you know, lookalike stuff. But I mean, but he yeah. looks so much like him. <laughs> he, he does. He really does. Um, and and he really, I'm, I'm sure he analyzed uh, all the mannerisms and everything because it's like he definitely nails it. Um, but like ultimately, to me, like when they they started off and say that oh he's a clone of you, like he's like his own character to me. He's not. <laughs> I don't just feel like he's just Doctor Evil miniature. Well, right? they were like considering he's... like doing like a digital character. They were considering mm-hmm. doing a kid. You know, they they were trying to figure out what to do, and then somebody was like, no, 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 we know we know the guy. And they and they called him in and they're like, oh my god, this is gonna work, and like I, I think I like this way because this is how like a '60s Bond movie kind of would have done it, I think. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I I don't know. I really enjoy uh, watching um, him goof around with Mike Myers, and I love there's like a great deleted there's like so many deleted scenes and bloopers where it's just like uh, Mike Myers doting on uh, <laughs> Mini-Me and Bert Troyer. He's like, I love you, Mini-Me. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, some of that is like real, right? When yeah. The, the way that they act towards him. Um, so the the other addition that, yep. you know, uh-huh. is just <sighs> Fat Bastard. Yeah, I think. I think Fat Bastard sucks. You think Fat Bastard sucks? I, think... I kind of love him. <laughs> I think he's disgusting. <laughs> uh, and everything about him is horrible and gross. But I think his, um, I don't know, I kind of like his shtick. Maybe, maybe again, maybe it's my bias from just like as a like 12-year-old loving it that and getting a kick out of it. That I could No, he's so, he's so egregiously rude and, and crude and disgusting. Yes. And like... Uh, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I don't know. And I usually like gross things. Like, that's a true thing. I do like, you know, I like to watch pimple popping videos. Ugh, gross. I'm so down. Like, I've seen, I've, I've watched, like, surgery videos. I have subscribed to some wild stuff on YouTube for medical, like, procedures and things you can just watch. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, but even still, like <laughs> Fat Bastard is just like egregiously horrible. And uh, watching the thing, it was Stan Winston, the guy who made you know the Xenomorph and Terminator. Uh, and it's like a ch- it's a chest and an abdomen prosthesis that are one piece, so that like it really sucks, and it's like all yeah. made of sulfur. And he said it fucking stunk like shit. I'm sure it did. <laughs> and like it was just nasty, and everybody hated it, and I he hated it. He do was, you think? Do you know if there's a different one for when he was naked versus when he was dressed? You know, I didn't get to that part in the commentary to hear, but I'm pretty. Sh- I would imagine that it was probably the same thing. Probably. Yeah. Oh, it's so gross. Oh, it's, it's so gross. It's such a it's such a gross thing. Um, uh, and when he's in it, like he does really like disappear. Like that's something that yeah. is pretty fun. I think in this movie, he kind of pops out more as Mike Myers in Dr. Evil. 
Because I think in this movie it becomes truly clear that Mike Myers prefers to play Doctor Evil. <laughs> yes, yes, and like they're they're basically like if if the first movie had you know a lot of just vignettes of like things that were going on with Doctor Evil, like this one it's just like they could have had a whole TV show. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they keep cutting back to him. He's like he's not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, but he's just having fun being the character. Um, it, but that's why I appreciate the addition of a, a new take, which I don't think necessarily works as well in Goldmember when he adds another character. Um, well, I, I think, yeah, that that's where I think it kind of it kind of breaks down. You get too many villain syndrome, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and that is, you know, where this movie kind of benefits from having, you know, a fat bastard as the physical antagonist. You know, Goldmember becomes, you know, more like a Goldfinger-esque kind of, you know, uh, like, you know, medium bad. Because <laughs> if, rem- if you remember, Goldfinger is really like a, a offshoot of Bond's plans for what he's really working on with uh, Spectre in the early Connery movies. Right. Um, so, I don't know. I I think that it's nice that they have like a true henchman because like in the first movie they were like, all right, let's just throw all these things at the wall. And we have all these guys and um, random task ends up being like the odd job. And so here we've well, got... random random task is tight. Well, no, random task is horrible. Remember? Oh yeah. My God. But, but what I mean is like we we're able to flesh out a henchman here, uh, you know, in, in addition to having number two and Frau well, Rob Lowe. Oh, my God. Oh Rob my God. Lowe. <laughs> it's so good. Um, Had, did you, the, there's a deleted scene where it's Rob Lowe and Robert Wagner in the '60s bed. Back oh in time yes, in the lava I've seen volcano. that. I have seen that. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, man. I think he does a kick-ass job. I think it was smart of them to be like to hold that scene and get him to do this one. And yep. he's a great. He does play a good number two <laughs> like he's very he's he's very believable yeah uh do you like um the choices they made with frau in this movie um eh, not so much i i think i don't know yeah i don't i don't think she's a, as interesting this time around and like it's it's a definitely like a, a cool twist that she's like scott's father but scott's father <laughs> I, mother <laughs> that would have been a real big twist oh boy um, spoilers um but unibrow is bad i don't like unibrow yeah um i don't know i mean i guess it, the the scene the 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 let's get it on is kind of funny but whatever yeah yeah so uh who else do we gotta talk about so like to me like i guess let's go through like a little bit from the beginning just because uh, there's so much to say um, it is a little disappointing that they just like brush Vanessa under the rug, um, but it's so like it, it's it's perfectly classic like, pointing, Bond pointing at Bond being like you always have you know someone you're in love with and then the next movie she's completely forgotten. Let's pick up <laughs> in the middle of it and just throw it out the window. I love the joke that Basil is like, oh yes, unfortunately we knew all along. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that, that was um, that was. But very then we silly. get a fantastic opening sequence. It's cool. They storyboarded it, and like they had to like be very specific about it. He wasn't totally naked, but sure, very very cool. 
Uh, and yeah, I love I love the dancing in this movie is very important. Mm-hmm. The choreographer Marguerite Derricks is like the lady, but she's also like a huge choreographer in films. She did Showgirls and Ten Things I Hate About You, Donnie Darko, Little Miss Sunshine, Spider Man Three. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about dance movies, um, yeah. you know, so she's uh, she all the dancing in this movie is pretty good. Uh, it's very fun and, and light and interesting. Yes. Uh, and, and they tried to make it, you know, seem like very distinct. So you could tell like when it, they were in the nineties and when they were clearly in the sixties. Yeah. Uh, but when you're in the sixties, I never felt like we were in the sixties eh, a little bit. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I think what's interesting to me. Um, so like, we just watched a movie from 1969. <laughs> we <laughs> did. Her Majesty's Secret Service. And so, like, that's why I, I kind of was interested to put these back to back. I see what you're saying. It, it doesn't really feel so much like a period piece because, like, how much time is really spent, like, out and about? Like, like what, in the we first were movie, just back there with this Lazenby guy <laughs> hanging yeah, out in yeah. this cool posh mountain thing. Yeah. And then, and like, in the first movie, you're in in Vegas in present day and it feels present, right? Like you get to go in, in London and, and that's pretty cool. And like, you see Burt Bacharach and Elvis Costello, like you get some of that, but yeah, after a while, it like, they just go to the moon. Like <laughs> it's like, we go okay, to the moon. Yeah. So you're right. Uh, it, it, the thing that's kind of unfortunate is like, this is a, a time travel movie and they have some cool, little gags yes they do they, prob- they probably don't take advantage of the uh 60s element as much as they could have yeah i think the time traveliness of this movie is like i like that they have two different kinds of it i think that that's very funny like i like that ha- there's dr evil's machine and then there's like austin's machine yes uh i like that he has a type portal and Austin has the DeLorean, essentially. <laughs> um, so, yeah. but that's cool. It's interesting to me that, like, they have a VW Bug, which was, like, you know, a car that was, like, coming out that was retro at the time that they're, like, you know, you know, loving on and doting on when if you've ever watched the, and I know we've probably talked about this before, but the commentary on Fight Club, if you get to the part where uh, they're talking about um, – well, in the movie, they're smashing the cars with the baseball bats outside when they're like first starting to commit the mayhem, and it's right. uh, Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, and Fincher, and they're talking about how one of the cars they really wanted to get and make sure they got was a VW Beetle because it kind of symbolizes like baby boomer culture, like selling their you know, you know, expectations and stuff kind of back to us. Like, but like not using any of the values or sympathies that anybody took away from the whole revolutionary movement of the sixties. Mm-hmm. It's like this big, you know, it's, it's like stupid. So I don't know. I really, I think that that's very ironic and funny. And like, they made this car special for this movie. Like I didn't, they didn't make uh, convertible bugs before this. This was one of the first ones they had to make custom. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think, I think that that's very interesting and timely. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it's of the time. Of the right? problems we've had. Yeah. Um, all right. So one thing that I do really like, I um, I love the in the beginning when Austin 
is like out and about and he, he does the photo shoot with Rebecca Romaine and Ivana hump a lot. Like, you yes. know, we had a photo shoot before, but this time it's like, he's going for this like crazy looking Russian woman that like <laughs> versus Rebecca Romaine. <laughs> like really? Um, I think they're, they're a little, uh, back and forths and everything, um, is really, fun and then obviously by the end of it we discover that he's lost his mojo like because she was out to kill him blah 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 um you know what so So there's a deleted scene that they didn't put in that was at the beginning of the movie where it's like all the like the hotel staff like knocking on austin and vanessa's door like crazy and they're all like speculating what's going on in there yeah. And they're like, oh, he must have the mojo. Ah, we oui, the mojo. We oui, hello. And they're like all yelling. And then it all, like, I really liked that scene because, like, it did a few things. Like, it grounded them that they were probably in France when they're doing this scene. Sure. It, it also explains kind of the whole setup of the movie that we're going to lose the mojo. So I was like, why did they cut this scene? This is a perfect scene. This is so funny and perfect. Why did they do that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. We let's talk about the mojo for a bit. So, in your mind, what is the mojo, and uh, does one have one? Question number one. Question number two. Can you really lose your mojo? Is the mojo some sort of physical, extended organ I don't know about? Frank, elaborate on the subject, please. It's weird. It is weird. I don't know. Um especially and the thing is like they acknowledge that in the movie right they, they at one point it is a very much a physical man- manifestation that literally gets extracted from him um but later on you had the mojo inside you all along like it didn't matter um however i do think that there was something physical that happened to him because other like he's in the middle of having sex with ivana hump a lot and all of a sudden he's just like he got nothing. So I don't know if they just like took out all his sperm and all of a sudden he just like wasn't horny anymore or, or is it like testosterone? I don't know. That's, that's a much as much as I got, but it, because it, it has some sort of physical element. Um, I think they wanted to go after something similar to like the force. Like, uh. I think that could be like another star Wars tie in. Hmm. And, it's interesting that episode one is the first time where the force <laughs> is given some kind of physical representation <laughs> in the form of the lauded midichlorians. Wow. And this is, you know, we love the, you know, the, this gooey mojo lava lamp shit that, uh, you know, Dr. Evil drinks is pretty cool looking, I think. Right. And that's, and that's the other thing. It's like Dr. Evil drinks it and he like immediately is like irresistible. So like, but is it all in your head? Is it a placebo effect? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I liked, I, I liked it and didn't like it at the same time. I think like it was just, you know, they got what they needed to do out of it. Um, you know, used it for, you know, whatever they could. Uh, the tagline on one of the posters was very funny. It was like, you know, he used to fight for the crown. Now he's lost the family jewels. Yes, I saw that. That's uh, great. Yeah. So, who should we talk about next? We talked about. We haven't talked about Heather Graham that much. Okay. What do you, What would you like to say about Heather Graham? Um. So, 
one thing that I noticed this time around um, that I thought was kind of a, a cool callback is like in the first movie, um, Austin is, you know, the secret agent from the 60s that's got this like old school me- mentality and he's brought up to the to the 90s and he's you know going up against Vanessa's like more modern uh, ideas of love and sex and everything and so when you have uh, him go off on the secret mission uh, to um, oh what's her name uh, a lot of vagina a lot of vagina he's like breaking that bond that they have uh, they flip it on its head here like so not only are we now in in the 60s his kind of like pre- uh present day um he's like with um felicity shagwell and she's very much of the era too and she but she's also like an american secret agent so she's like i have to do what you know my job is and like very much like a, a bond like sleep with the the enemy to get close and she <laughs> sleeps with that bastard and it's like Again, super duper 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 gross, but like Austin is hurt by this, and, and like he's like evolving as a character. Um, I I like their bond. I think they they sh- like strike it hot immediately they, when they first uh, meet, and she saves him and everything. Yes, they have all this like amazing sexual tension and and such a, a great um, chemistry. Um, I I think she's fun, and uh, you know, I guess. I don't know. What, what do you like about her? <laughs> um, it, uh, it, uh, hmm. I like uh, Heather Graham a lot, and I think that she does play very sexy in this film. Um, I don't know if she's, like, you know, in playing, like, the the character that she does, that she gets, like, enough to do and, like, to, like, be funny and kind of like challenge Austin. She's always just kind of like trying to like pursue Austin kind of the whole movie. Yeah. And when you are kind of, you know, some of the deleted scenes and the stuff that they were like, they, they did was just like, it wasn't good. Hmm. And I liked how, when you had, uh, Elizabeth Hurley in that movie that even though Austin, like, comparatively you know he was fine at the end of the movie like he was still you know kind of mostly his same self that like he learned like you know kind of what's like modern about you know today's timing and that like with this other character like they're just kind of just saying like well let's like throw all that out of the window in terms of like thinking about you know each other and what's going on here and like we're just going to play into the comedy of it but you lose what could be like kind of a cool thing and yeah you could say that the arc of like her like screwing fat bastard is like them trying to do the same thing but in a different way but i don't know if it like like i don't know like i wish she had like more you know jokes i wish she got more fun to do like it's a character that's based off of uh barbarella which is a Mm, uh yeah like a 1960s um you know uh movie that was a comic and you know, it's like a sci-fi thing. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I just don't think that she's like believable. I don't like compared to Elizabeth Hurley, who was so funny and so good and like challenged the character and, and like, you know, pushed the story forward. Um, 
I don't know if if Heather Graham did that in this movie. For me, yeah. it wasn't her job to do. Yeah, and they also kind of end up making her damsel in distress, which is kind of a bummer, um, where, like, the, the first part of the movie, she's, like, able to kind of take care of her, her own and... and um, like she's a know, CIA, she's a CIA operative. Like, like, yeah. like they, you know, they don't like give her, you know, I think enough to enough to do, and uh, yeah. th- that's okay. You know, we'll see what they do in in the next movie. <laughs> oh um, but uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, I like I like Doctor Evil's lairs. I like I like that. Like that to me seems fun. I love the Starbucks reference. I think that that's fucking hilarious. Hilarious, like looking back on it now, like how this movie is so ninety nine. <laughs> but like even then, like I don't remember having Starbucks until maybe what, like to the year two thousand and four, two thousand and five. Well, because we were kids, we didn't drink drink coffee. Right, but like think about like how huge Starbucks is now, yeah, compared to where it was in nineteen ninety nine. That's that's and, fair, and the, and the true empire of was, coffee it has become. I, I I hear you, but I do think it was kind of apparent already that it was going that way. Like I'm sure if you were walking around the city, like there were probably maybe not one every corner, but pretty popular, and it was becoming like a phenomenon. Um, also, like Jerry Springer's in this, that, like <laughs> that's so '99. Um, the Jerry Springer stuff is is really funny. Um, yeah. I really, I love, I mean that whole scene where Dr. Evil is just like getting bleeped out <laughs> like full sentences is just still, I love that Dr. Evil well. fights like a girl and he's just like slapping him and like cursing yeah. him out. Um, and then it, it's, I think it's also super funny. Like Jerry Springer was like, you know, no one's ever like yelled back at me. And then like, I've never like gone after them. So like they like, you know, they improv that like that day <laughs> when they were there. That's great. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I like that scene a lot. It's so emblematic. You're right. They they do a very good job because of the time travelness to reinforce that it's the '90s. But then you're like, well, we, we didn't go, we didn't go back. <laughs> you guys, time travel is yeah. not real. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, who else can I talk about in this movie that I think is funny and cool and interesting? Oh, there's a ton of music for this movie. Yes. Uh, there's a Lenny Kravitz American Woman version, which is actually pretty rocking and good, and Lenny Kravitz is always awesome. Yep. Uh, there's the Madonna Beautiful Stranger, which is used in the movie, which is super-duper weird, uh, even though Beautiful Stranger is an old song. So it's like I guess they maybe are calling back to that by using it in that way whatever yeah i I like it as a song i think it's also very funny that a few years later she does the the bond song like oh (laughs) hey i didn't even think about that yeah uh yeah i don't know um i I don't know i (sighs) so yeah I, i think the other thing about this movie is like they double down on some things that they started the first time that to, to varying degrees of success, right? So, like, you have, in the opening sequence, you have the sight gags of him being naked and, you know, all the things that look like penises that are in front of him. Fine. That's, they, they go go for the moon on that one. You have, um, but then you also have, like, the spaceship with that looks like a penis that's flying through the air. And, like, 
it goes on for multiple iterations of the joke and like okay we get it <laughs> you know some of it's fine some of it's like you ultimately get a lot of really cool cameos in those moments but um i think that's where like it starts to r- run a little dry um yeah it, I, I just think you know and the shishes to the zippets like it's just a little too much right yeah it's it you know something that i heard them say in the commentary which was like really it kind of like nailed the the nails in the coffin, so to speak. We're like, we just had the formula from the last movie where we were like, let's take these things that we have here and, uh, you know, we'll just do that over there. And I was like, Oh no guys, come on. Yeah. And, and like, I just feel like the parts of this movie that are memorable and are truly funny are the new jokes. It's the fact that Minnie me hates Scott evil. It's the fact that, uh, um, uh, you know, fat bastard is gross and, and, and nasty. He wants to eat a baby. You know, like like the, you know, when it's the big, uh, you know, penis spaceship, you know, that's a little bit new. So we get that one kind of gets a pass. Yeah. And then you have all the, you know, the, the cameos and you're like, okay, well they got some cool people. And then you're like, okay, well, it's coming back. Oh my God, we have to do it again. You know, like, yeah, it, it's it's that's when it becomes laborious. It, it's it's not necessarily the inherent um, uh, thought of the joke. It's just how much repetition can you beat out of it? And like, I think that they could have taken more chances and looked to. Other because like think about it at this time there are what maybe uh you know sixteen seventeen eighteen Bond movies you know that that yeah. had come out at that time uh they could have drawn from any number of plots you know some of them similar granted and they kind of mix a couple together by using like Moonraker and you know uh you know the the spy who shagged me which the spy who loved me which we'd never we'd never even seen so. Nope. We don't even know what happens in that movie. If it's even sort of quasi-related, we don't know. We, we don't, don't know, know at all. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I, I wish that they had looked at other things and delved harder into the lore and, like, looked for more jokes in there. Like, more goofy bad characters is always good because then then it's a new character, right? Like, it doesn't, like, no matter how many henchmen they come up with, they they can always come up with more henchmen. That's true, you know. And yeah. and the henchmen serves a good you know role here, and they do come up with a couple of good guys, uh, you know. But yeah, I, I mean, then th- they then you have like repeating things with like, and like the thing is like sometimes repetition works. Like, you have um, Mufasa, and he he's back. Like we see him in his as his younger self. And he has that same sort of off-screen like antics, like I'm I'm dying, but I'm not dying kind of thing, like that kind of works. Mufasa? Then... Oh, Mustafa. Mustafa, Mufasa. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm doing real good today. <laughs> I was like, Mufasa is in this movie? Um, no, uh, I actually I don't mind the Mustafa bit as much because I felt like we were interacting from with him from the point of view of Austin Powers yep. at a different time. You know what I mean? So at that point of the movie, you know, 
you know, Austin and Mustafa had never met. They don't know that, you know, 30 years later, you know, he's going to fall into the pit and be very badly burned. He doesn't know that yet. Right. So I kind of give, and then like, I thought the, the questioning, the questioning, the questioning had like some like philosophical, you know, you know, (laughs) mathematical errors. Cause they ask him other questions that he just responds to. Sure. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I liked, but yeah, uh, I liked this movie. I didn't love it. I thought I was going to rewatch it and be like, oh, this is clearly the better movie where, where they went bigger. I think the truth is they did go bigger. The sets are bigger. The cameos are bigger. The music is better. Um, everybody looks better and more awesome. You know, the special effects are, are way cooler, but you're getting further, you're getting further away from the, uh, franchise we're spoofing and we're becoming the franchise. <laughs> yes. You know, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Like it, it, it no longer is, uh, as much of a bond spoof as, as an Austin power sequel. And that, you know, in some ways is fine, but in, in other ways is, is not good. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm excited to watch gold member now because I'm excited to kind of see this movie for, you know, kind of what it is, which was, you know, the last really good legacy of, uh, you know, of Mike Myers, you know, since then, like he's done a couple things here and there, but nothing to the great success of this character. And it's so crazy interesting that the plot of this movie goes on to become fucking Spectre. Like, go, like literally yeah. almost, almost exactly. Like it, it's, it, it's, it's kooky. And you, it is it is weird and, that they they chose to do that. And and you get Michael Caine, which I think is going to be like I remember Michael Caine after this movie. Like I don't remember Michael Caine before Goldmember. Like I remember seeing. I'm gonna. I know I should say this for the Goldmember podcast, but I'm gonna tell it now. Fuck it. Um, I remember seeing Goldmember. I think either two or three times in one day. I think it. it I think it was three. I, wow! I went to see it um, on like a one of those like camp trips where it like came out that summer and like we went to Gasho or whatever. So like mm-hmm. you go to Gasho with like a coach bus full of you know poor kids, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you eat at Gasho and then you go watch a movie at the Comac Multiplex, and we saw a uh, uh, Gold Member, and then I remember going back and. Uh, seeing it later that night with like maybe like Ben Cher and Brian Skolnick. Um, and I think we just like sat through it again. <laughs> like you're we, like, do you want to go home? Nah, no, we just watched it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, that must've been an interesting experience. Yes. Like, because like looking at it now, like back then, yeah, the, the movie lands in a different way to teenage minds, but like, yeah. Um, I mean, Michael Caine, I, yeah, he definitely peaked in popularity, you know, with uh, with Batman and uh, all the Nolan stuff, like, right after all of this. But, you know, he'd been around for a while, like, and done other things. But I, for, for our minds, like, this is probably his first, like... This is where, was... yeah, Michael Caine, the great actor, showed up to me in Goldmember. Um, <laughs> yeah, back to uh, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Um, so like, yeah, so the, yeah, you mentioned before the, the secret volcano lair and like, 
Go, once you you get there, like he and he travels back in time, uh, Doctor Evil does. Like, they're just like I said before. They have all these like little vignettes of like, like, just the two of us <laughs> singing, and uh, what if God was one of us? Um, just like so many back and forths with Scott, and like it, it really is great. Like the whole like, I call it the Death Star, and um, when he's calling and with calls the uh the u.s leaders or is it nato or whatever united nations and they like show the clip of independence day i think that's hilarious yes that's awesome um and so like again they're, they're in this instance they're using the fact that dr evil kind of knows a little bit more about the modern day whereas in the first one he's like a million dollars is you know not that much money and you know now it's like like that's again another joke that like pays off because it it works in both eras. Like if they keep doing it, it's like super tiresome. Um, I I do I do really love the mini me fight though. Like that the mini me fight is is the best. It it's it's, it's the standout of the movie. I, it's one of the few times we, I really laughed where he goes in the suit and then when he's like he's like on the floor he's like peace, peace. <laughs> bless you oh my glasses <laughs> thank you and then he goes to the toilet and he's got this like perfect elevator music uh, it's awesome uh, it's a great thing <laughs> and i salute you and <laughs> he's just floating through space um i like that austin encounters like uh most of Dr. Evil's henchmen, like outside of the context of Dr. Evil, you know, like yeah. it does kind of play into the specterness of it all that like he doesn't fight Austin at all. He sends out these other guys and then it like it old that you have to like think about it from like Austin's point of view. Like he doesn't know Mini B the way we know Mini B. He's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, right. You know? <laughs> you know? right. He doesn't really understand that he's a clone of Dr. Evil. No, he has he no idea. Him. Uh, yeah. uh, I I like that part of it. Um, um the, uh, the uh, and then I don't know. To me, the Austin, I am your father bit is a little. Eh, it's funny, but also like maybe one step too far of a Star Wars joke. Well, okay, let's talk about the Star Wars jokes. So there's a lot of them. So you got the Death Star, you have the I am your father, um. You know, all the marketing leading up to this movie that you guys can see online. Uh, you know, I think they went. I mean, they call him Darth. Like, it, yeah. It doesn't, yeah. He calls him Darth at one point. Um, it's, yeah. It, it's it's weird because it's coming out in the same year as a new Star Wars. Like, now, well, it's like, oh, you can't even do that. <laughs> well, like, think about the way that, like, the Star Wars jokes have changed, maybe. Like, that, you know, at this time like you know the only thing you really could do was the i am your father bit like that was you know a pretty big bit um as well as uh you know spoof you know spoofing the lightsabers and you know things they'd already done in spaceballs right uh, but can we also do that you want to do we can't, you, not, no we can I definitely do spaceballs you want to do spaceballs <laughs> But not for this. We got to do it for another series later, I think, because it doesn't have any context for James Bond. <laughs> um, it's so, but it's yeah, just so no, far away. No, I know what you're saying. Um, so I think that they just, like, they couldn't make the kind of jokes that we would expect now, like, on a Big Bang Theory or, like, one of these other kinds of movies or shows where it would, or, or like, even Clerks, 
you know, like, yeah, like, like, ha- like that movie, like is so specific, but that's an indie indie movie at that time and was really the beginning of making that kind of joke, you know, pervasive. And these are very shallow and not like that at all. You know what I mean? Right. They're, they're, they're Star Wars jokes that are like, if you've never seen a Star Wars movie, you'll, you'll get it. <laughs> and like, right. And, and that's what they're doing here. And, and it's, it's kind of unfortunate that they have like a massive spoiler, right? <laughs> for, for Star Wars. Like, I mean, I know empire came out like 20 years before, but still like, but I guess it was so part of pop culture at that point. Yeah. I, uh, all right. Yeah. We'll talk about it when we get there. I'm, I, I hope that, uh, you know, ooh, I just saw a thing that I think was fake news, but like they were like, they're trying to launch back in the Star Wars movies in like 2023 that mm. will start getting movies, you know, year over year again. Um, yeah, that would be, that would be a lot. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. Um, Why is well, that a good idea? Well, unless it's the, the Ryan Johnson trilogy that, they've talked about because if they're putting out a trilogy they probably want to keep them kind of close together why can't they just release them when you know when they make them make a make good movies i don't know yeah uh um okay anything we got to say about this movie else i mean we kind of covered i mean the only other thing that i wanted to call out is um is that austin encounters himself um i think that's kind of a fun bit like he you know he travels back in time to save the girl save the day um and you know you get some fun witty banter between the two austins and like i love him like predicting all the shots like i think that's great um the time travel get- bits that they get to do in this movie are funny they're executed yeah. well and and they're done with like you know some kind of thought about what's happening in that scene and it works great you're right and also this movie has a post credit scene it has serious post credit scenes. Yeah, it does. Um, um, yeah, the revelation that before Marvel, uh, you know, Scott Evil. I mean, that's crazy, but also makes a lot of sense. Right, and it, but it's kind of cool because like they have that revelation that's like, oh, this is going to impact the the story. Like this is like our Thanos moment, right? And then the end bit is a joke, which is like what we say now, like, oh, the Marvel movies, the last one after the all the credits roll, is just a joke when it, you see austin having sex with felicity and having sex with himself like exactly great bit so um yeah i i still am very fond of this one i think i it's one that i can continue to rewatch over and over again probably as much as the first one but um yeah i it's i guess it holds a certain place in my heart that uh maybe uh maybe not for everybody because it's not you know it it does certain things in this and compared to the first one that are not as as good or doesn't I, as well. I think that this movie is 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 good and it's of the times and it's definitely a sequel that, you know, they were, you know, trying to do, you know, big things without, you know, taking big risks and I think that it's a a good movie to watch in the context of this franchise. I don't know uh, the next time I'll ever rewatch it, but I know that when I do, uh, I want to, you know, I'll be watching the movies again, you know, because you want to see him, you know, over the course of some time together. Right. You want to make it wake in your mind why you watch them, or else what does it all mean? What's what are you doing with your life? 
but and I think that's one of the things that I I have kind of done to myself is that most of the time that I watch them, it's like I'll watch the first two and I'll skip Goldmember, and like I only. I, I've only probably seen Goldmember like less than like obviously you've already saw it three times in one day so you've probably at least seen it more times than me but uh, we'll see I, I definitely will rewatch it when we do uh, insert it into our next series so moving ahead um, we're going to jump back into James Bond we've finished uh, four of the Bonds already we uh, yeah are, holy crap are now moving on to Roger Moore um, continuing to jump backwards in time in our own way um so we start with live and let die uh which spoilers i've already watched so uh get stay tuned for that episode coming up soon we will have a special guest yes um any anything else to to look ahead for aj i'm excited to get into roger moore i uh roger moore was my dad's favorite bond because that was his bond Mm -hmm. um i'm excited to go back and watch all of them i have not i have maybe only really ever seen two uh and i'm i very much look forward to you know completing uh our journey and seeing you know the second big back you know your uh you know your mickey mantle your you know joe joe dimaggio you know roger you know roger maris level character sure you know if babe ruth is uh connery you know sean connery like this this is your next you know your next big dude yeah i it's interesting and the last thing i'll say like i thought i had seen this one i don't remember as well so i i know i've seen roger moore so there's one of the other ones that he's done that i've probably seen that uh but otherwise most of them i haven't and these are all going to be fresh for me so i'm excited to go through them um but this was the austin powers a spy who shagged me podcast we will do gold member at some point down the line so yeah if you're mostly tuning in for that sorry you're gonna have to wait um <laughs> uh, but we are the long lost heroes podcast uh please uh rate and review and subscribe um, we really appreciate that uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, you can find us online at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. You can email us at info at longlostheroes.net, and you can find us on our website at longlostheroes.net. Anything else for you, buddy? No, I'm good. Um, thank you for uh, hitting it out so great, and uh, stay tuned, folks. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.